and uh, like to express my gratitude to all of you for your warm welcome. I'm always warmly received in your assembly, and I thank you for that. And it's always such a treat to see you from year to year. I wonder how many more years we will have to go. The Lord's return is due at any moment. Uh, that's prominent. I am getting older, and uh, I'm not sure how just how long it will be before I will have to say no to the invitations. I'd also like to thank the uh, for the hospitality of the the Bosworth family today. I want to tell you that I'm exhausted right now. Uh, I just love those Bosworth children, but I tell you, they had me tormented today. <laughs> they kept the fans going in the house, you know, and I told them not to because my hairdo just would not tolerate all this massive confusion in the air. And they had them going as quickly, and they're still back there. I know that. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look in this direction. Anyway, it's been a wonderful day. The Lord has been good, very good. And the fellowship of the saints here is exceedingly precious to me. It's been a great encouragement to me over the years that I've been coming down. And I want to thank you, and that's a sincere thank. It's not just a question of being polite. It's a question of thanking you from my heart. Now, this evening I want to talk on the subject, God is in control. It's a rather interesting subject. We have a wonderful God. And I was encouraged just a week ago when I was driving the speed limit on the 75 highway. And this car just flashed past me. He must have been doing 85 miles an hour. And on the back of his car, he had this sticker, this bumper sticker, God is in control. <laughs> so I took that as a sign that, you know, I should perhaps minister on that subject. I tell you, he would need God to be in, in, in his control for the speed he was doing was quite alarming, I thought. Anyway, I will be reading from Psalm 109. You don't have to turn to it because I'm finding, you know, there's so many translations today and people are glued to the, go ahead and do it if you wish, don't misunderstand me. But there's so many translations, I decided to write out the verses that I wish to emphasize. And I'm going to talk about David, first of all, in Psalm 109. David was in an awful state of mind. He was, in a, he was so preoccupied with what was going on all around him in his world. And he was in distress. And he wrote this psalm, which is one of the number of psalms. How many? I'm not sure. But there are these psalms right throughout the book of psalms. And they are called the imprecatory psalms. Well, that's a big word, isn't it? The big word. The imprecator, I mean, if somebody says during the week, what was the preacher talking about? Just you say, he was preaching on the imprecatory psalms. And they will say, oh, you're very clever, you know, and, and all of that. I love these big words. But by the way, the word imprecatory or the noun imprecation just simply means a curse. 
That might surprise you. But there's a number of these psalms scattered throughout the book of Psalms, and David is calling down curses upon certain nations and certain people. These curses, I'll tell you, they're vicious. They are vindictive. They are vehement. Absolutely awful. The idea, of course, is to call down a curse from God on the enemies of God's people. That was the idea. Now, would you do that? Hmm. If David do it, would you do it? <laughs> I mean, this Psalm 109, from which I will read shortly, I mean, this Psalm, it's inspired by God. And incidentally, the man who wrote this psalm, inspired by God, also wrote that beautiful psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and so on and so on and so on. He wrote that beautiful psalm. It wasn't an imprecatory psalm. So you see the extremes that he must have gone, to, gone through in life. You know, these the psalms of worthy praise to God. And we love the psalms. Their psalms are so beautiful. And yet he wrote these vindictive, cruel psalms calling upon God to bring down curses upon the enemies that he endured. I was also rather amused to learn recently, you know, I saw this somewhere about a bumper sticker that appeared on someone's car and maybe many, perhaps many cars. Maybe you saw it. I don't know. I'm not, I don't live in America. But during your election, your most recent election for the president, there was a bumper sticker. And it said this. And this is what caught my attention, you say. Pray for the president. That's lovely. Pray for the president. I like that. But then below it, it said Psalm 109, verse 8. Now, I didn't know what Psalm 109, verse 8. You're all, you can't wait. You're all looking down at Psalm 108 right now. 109, rather. 109, verse 8. And Psalm 109 says these words. Let his years be few. And let someone take his position. Now, obviously, the man who had that bumper sticker did not like President Obama. Obviously he didn't. But he was disguising it, you see, by saying, pray for the president. And then, of course, the Psalm 100. He went to the imprecatory Psalms as if to bring down a curse upon the president. Now, I personally couldn't do that, but that's beside the point. I wonder what you would do. Didn't like the president. In fact, I also read somewhere Recently, just well, I'm only in Florida too, but I read somewhere about a sergeant, a police sergeant, who in somewhere in Florida, he said the same thing. He quoted the same verse and he was suspended for two weeks for being so vicious against the president. Now, if you didn't like your president or if you didn't like your prime minister, as we have in Canada, if you come from Canada, um, would you put such a bumper sticker on your car? I wonder. It's a free country, I guess. David calls for punishment on his enemies. And the curses that he gives, he calls for God to send down. Are not pretty at all. Not pretty. Now, David is hurting. 
He's only a human being and he's hurting. And he cries to God for vengeance. He reminds God that these are the enemies of God. And then he says this in Psalm 109 verses 2 to 4. They have opened the wicked and deceitful mouth against me, says David. He's incensed. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have surrounded me with words of hatred. And they have fought against me without cause. In return for my love, they act as my accusers. But I am in prayer. I am in prayer. And then he summarizes his case in verse 5. Before calling down fire, he says, Thus they have repaid me evil for good and hatred for my love. You can see why he's upset. Now, has he lost sight of the mighty God? Well, I'll let you decide. There's a very similar imprecation in the, in the New Testament. In fact, Psalm 109 is quoted in the New Testament. As someone brings down a curse upon Judas, the very same words are used against Judas in the New Testament. And Peter, of course, was the one who spoke those words. Such language he used. I mean, it is, it is vicious. It's vitriolic. It's unrivaled language. Would it be a sin to pray this Psalm 109? I ask you. Now, remember that David was under law. He was not under grace. David was under the law of God, the old covenant. You and I are under grace, the new covenant. So are we to be different? I would think so. Did not the Lord say, love your enemies? Did not our Lord say when he was dying on Calvary's cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't bring curses down. David's greater son, when he was suffering, far beyond the sufferings of David, asked his heavenly father to forgive those who were crucifying him. Let's consider this a little bit further. Verses 6 to 7 says this. David goes like this. Appoint a wicked man over him. In other words, this is an individual whom he now is calling upon a, cur a curse upon. And let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him come forth guilty. And let his prayer become sin. Don't listen to his prayer, God. It's a sinful thing. Now, you'd almost think as if David at this point was putting his pen into acid. Acid. His cursing is hot. It's lethal. David has a wounded soul. That I agree. He has many foes. And here he emphasizes one in particular. This wicked man is his accuser. And what's the verdict, says David? He's guilty. He's guilty. Verse 8. This next portion of David's psalm has become the source of some contention with these bumper sticker people and the subject. And of course, I've just mentioned, let his days be few, verse 9. And let another take his office. David says, as for his life, I want it to be short-lived. I want it to be short-lived. And let somebody, over, let somebody else take over from him. He's my enemy. Quite vicious. And then in verse 9 to 13, he becomes increasingly harsh. Listen to these words. Let his children be fatherless. 
And let his wife be a widow. Let his children wander about and beg. Let them seek sustenance far from their ruined homes. Let the creditor seize all that they have. And let strangers plunder the product of his labor. And let there be none to extend loving kindness to him, nor any be gracious to his fatherless children. Let his prosperity be cut off. In a following generation, let his name be blotted out. I tell you, this is wild. This, this, this makes me personally cringe when you read such language like this in the word of God coming from the voice of David, the wonderful king, the great king David. It becomes in, the curse becomes increasingly harsh. You feel it in your very bones. His, he, wants the, he wants this man who has offended, he wants his children and he wants his wife evicted from, completely from life. He wants his property seized. He wants his money plundered. He wants to show no mercy whatsoever. No mercy at all. Let the family name be sent into oblivion. Let everybody forget this family. So incensed is David when he says this. So my question again. Listen carefully now, please. Would you pray this prayer? Would you pray, pray it on, on, on your president? Could I pray this on, uh, on my prime minister? Could I pray this on, on my government up in Canada? Or could you do it on your government here? We have a so-called Christian nation. Now, I'm getting, I'm getting really troubled about the nation that I live in. I'm really troubled. I've lived there for 50 years, and I can see what's going on. And what's going on is dreadful. You know, we used to be able to read the Bibles publicly. And I've told, told you this before. I, I mean, I've read the Bible over the PA system to, to uh, you know, 2,000 students in the high school. But that was stopped. You can't say the Lord's Prayer. We used to be able to say it. You can't say it now. You can't read the Scriptures anymore. You're not even allowed to have Bible clubs in school. And that makes me angry. That makes me not only angry, it makes me very sad. They want to eliminate God from the schools. Take Christ out of Christmas. Imagine. That incensed, I, I feel incensed with this. Up in Canada, we are in the middle of our conference, Christmas conference season. And we have it at Christmas and we have it at Easter. And what do we do? Well, we hire, we hire these uh, lovely, beautiful auditoria uh, where, uh, in the schools, in, in, our, in our high schools. And uh, we invite speakers, uh, good speakers, and we invite them to the conferences. And we've been doing this for years. And this year, all of a sudden, they say, oh, you would like to rent the uh, auditorium. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to have to tell you, but the, the, the prices have quadrupled. Quadrupled. And now the brethren up there are scattering around looking for a place that's cheap enough to have a massive big conference. In other words, they don't, they're making it difficult for the Christians to use the public school facility. That makes me very sad. It does. So what do I do? How do I pray about this? Hmm. 
I don't know about your government, but our government up there now supports abortion. I can't stand this. It's wrong. It's against God's word, and I can prove it to you from God's word. The government up there in Canada champions homosexuality. I disagree with them. God opposes homosexuality. His word is clear on the matter. They endorse, up in Canada, they endorse gay marriage. Everybody's talking about it. It's all you hear up there. All about gay marriage. God's word says this is wrong. This is sinful. This is opposing my word. This is opposite to what God really is in his creation. They oppose Israel. Now, not so much in Canada. Canada, for some reason, has a love affair with Israel, and that's good news. But I've noticed, as I listen to the American news, and, and, and I hear certain things, you know, Israel, which is God's chosen people, and there's a future for Israel according to the word of God. What's happening now is people are opposing Israel. And that makes me sad, too. They say they, these, these, these people who are highly advanced, of course, in their, in their minds, and they say religion is all rubbish. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, some of the most beautiful pieces of literature in the world that was ever written, most glorious revelations from God as to how we should live. They say, ah, oh, that's nonsense. Throw it out. Throw it out. The word of God is outdated and irrelevant. We don't want the Bible. I mean, it's, it's all wrong. And yet God's word is established in heaven. That's what the Bible says. God's word is established. And these, these puny individuals, these evolutionists and forward-thinking people, I mean, forward, they're going backward instead of forward. And God, they, they mock God. And they mock Christians like you and like me. We have changed. Our political scenery has changed significantly. You can speak for your country. I can speak for mine. There's a loss of integrity. There's a loss of in accountability. Our, 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 politi our pulpits are anemic about the Christian pulpits. I mean, we have denominations in Canada that, that go along with this nonsense. And there are these intellectuals who meet every, what, three years and, and, and they go through the Bible and they say, well, no, that's not right. That has to be eliminated. And they've eliminated most of the Bible by now. Like, who do these people think they are? Oh, I'm getting a bit worked up, as you see. Like, what do you think of all this? What's the situation here? There's no sense of piety anymore. It's, go it's going. Humility? No. Now, David's enemy was obviously an enemy of God's people, and therefore an enemy of God. So that's why David's behaving like this. That's why David is behaving like this. So getting back to the question, would you pray this prayer? Would you pray? Would it be a sin for us to pray this? I believe it would. I believe it would. Like, who am I? Who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? Who am I to curse someone? Who do I think I am? David, who do you think you are? Now you may disagree with me on the David issue. 
Who am I to ask for damnation upon people who don't agree with me? And who make light of my Savior? And who reject the word of God by which I would seek to live my life and you would seek to live your life? Who am I to call down imprecations, curses upon these people? Who am I to slander anybody? After all, I'm only a sinner. I'm only a sinner saved by the matchless grace of God. That's it. And as I said before, our Lord said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Look what they did to him. Look what they did to our blessed Savior. Oh, man. How we delight to gather in the morning on Sunday to remember him in the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup. Look what they did to our Savior. The only perfect man upon this earth. And they took him and they stripped him and they mocked him. They put a crown of thorns upon his head and they nailed him to a tree. They crucified him. They crucified him. They nailed him to a tree. And so there he died. A king crucified to save a poor sinner like me. I believe we should pray for those who are in authority. I believe we should pray for our enemies. I believe we should ask God to save them. I do. So if you have someone who is your enemy and you're all upset about this, you pray for that person. The world is not going to crumble because of these people. And that's, that's what I believe. I, when I think of all that's going on around me today in society and, and in, my, in my, the land of my adoption up there in Canada. It may, go, it may crumble. But I believe in my heart that God is still on the throne and he will remember his own. His promise is true. He will not forget you. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. That is very, very important. He cares. He cares about his world. He cares about what he's, he has created. And he cares about his people who have been bought with the precious blood of his eternal son. He cares about us. So I'm asking you, my brothers and sisters, like, how do you feel about all of this? Are you, are you anxious? Are you anxious? Is it getting you down? Remember, God is in control. And that's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember that God is in control. And I love that psalm, you know, there's, which tells us there's no need to fear. Again, one of David's psalms. You almost think that David was contradicting himself. He, he said, be still, be still, and know that I I'm God. That's the value of coming to a meeting like this. You can come away from the mad world outside. You can read God's word. You can hear the ministry of God's word. And, and, and this beautiful verse, be still. Shh. Shh. That's what it means. Shh. Do you take time to get alone with God in your bedroom or wherever in your own? Do you take time to get away from everybody and you're all alone and you're in the presence of God? And it's quiet. Be still, says God. 
and you open God's word and you read it and you, and you pause and you speak to your heavenly father. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, it's wonderful to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and to have entry into the presence of God at any time, day or night. Now, there's a brother up there in the building where I live. And, and I think I mentioned him to one or two of you. You know, he's up every morning at four o'clock. Four o'clock before he goes out to work. And he's in the presence of God. And when you speak to this man, you could tell he's in the presence of God. He's a holy brother. I remember when I was uh, in my 20s and had two children. And I, before I would go off to school, I would come down in the morning, not at four o'clock, but about six o'clock. And I would spend an hour and a half just in reading the word of God and in prayer. And now, of course, I'm retired and I have all kinds of time to do this. And it's beautiful just to sit quietly away from the TV, away from the noise of the world. And you're in the presence of God and you speak to him. When you're reading his word, God's speaking to you. That's what God's book is. He's speaking to you. So you speak back. Read a few verses and say, thank you, Lord. That is just beautiful. That's, that's exactly what I mean. Help me from day to day to put that into practice. Speak to your heavenly father in his presence. You'll see it'll make a vast difference in your life. Vast difference. Get into the room, the quiet time. And God will counsel you and God will comfort you. And he will conform you, his children, to his very image. That's right. He will conform you to his image. Here's a verse from verse. Here's a, now we're, we're just switching gears here from all of these imprecations. Listen to these verses. Now this will encourage you. Psalm 46. Don't turn to it. Just listen, please. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I love it. I just love that. We will not fear. Though the earth should change. And though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains quake at a swelling tide. Selah! Stop and think about that. Beautiful. Here it is. Psalm 46. Nothing to fear, says the psalmist, David. Again, God is with us. And then that should make us confident. Our safety and our protection, they don't lie in ourselves. They don't lie in the government. They lie with God. In God alone. Therefore, we will not fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If the earth should melt, or there's some other wild convulsions of nature then remember that God is with us when I go down here soon, soon in a few minutes I'll be going on to that horrible highway on the way home it scares me stiff the mad rush of men but I know that God is with me God is with me and I speak to him I speak to him out loud I know some passerby in the car seeing me possibly will probably think I'm crazy. Well, that's all right. Speak to God. If there is political upheaval in our countries, 
if there's economic upheaval, if there's social upheaval, well, then remember, God is in control. God is in control. That's the point. Here's this fiscal cliff. I wish they would hurry up and get over that cliff, whatever it is. Everybody's talking about the fiscal cliff. And they're all worried about their savings. And they're worried about their jobs. And you know, I can understand that. For we're only human. But remember, remember, God is in control. God is in control. Do you worry yourself sick over this? And I will try to do the same. We're only human. I remind you again that God is still on the throne. I love that little chorus. And he will remember his own. Now listen to the jubilant strains of David again in Psalm 47. Listen to these words. Oh, clap your hands, all ye peoples. Shout to God with the voice of joy. For the Lord most high. The Lord most high. And by the way, the word Lord in his Psalms is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that means Jehovah. Jehovah is the Latinized version of the Hebrew. The Hebrew is Yahweh. It's the Lord God Almighty. He's the one who's in control. He's your God. He's my God. What are you worrying about? Are you losing control of yourselves? Ah, be still. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord Most High is to be feared. A great king over all the earth. I love these words. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nation. Our God reigns. You know that lovely hymn? Our God reigns. He reigns. You think he's forgotten about us? Sometimes we might think that we may be so down. Well, call upon God. He sees and he knows you inside out. He reigns. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have assembled themselves as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. That's our God. Read your Bible and find out the wonderful God in whom we have put our trust. Thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ who has died. These jubilant strains, they're marvelous, marvelous. A mighty fortress is our God. I love that hymn. A mighty fortress. God is strong. Like what assurance this is. And this is a jubilant Psalm 47. We've just Some say it belongs to the, uh, belongs to the millennial glory, the, the millennial monarchy. Well, it may well be, have significance and relevance to that period of time. It's a jubilant display of emotion and trust in God. The Lord Most High is awesome. Our God is an awesome God. We use the word awesome now, you know, like everything's awesome. You buy a little piece of ice cream and you say, that's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, man, that's awesome ice cream. Or you get a little cookie. Oh, that's awesome. Now you go into a restaurant. Oh, the, oh, the meal was awesome. No, no, no. We reserve the word awesome for the almighty God, your God and my God. That's it. God is to be highly exalted and highly praised. I'm almost finished. Psalm 11 and verse 3. Listen to this. He asks a very pertinent question. So says David. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Eh, there it is. What happens when law and order is all vanished? Really? What happens when the foundations of society are crumbling? 
What hope is there for the righteous? He answers. He answers. Here's the answer. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the Lord is in his holy temple. That's what's happening. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Same idea. If the the foundations be destroyed and, and if society goes to pieces, now we don't want that. We like to live a quiet and normal life. But if everything goes to pot like that, if the foundations are destroyed, what can we do? What can the righteous do? Well, we can turn to our Lord. Our God reigns. He knows exactly the situation. And he will carry us through by whatever means. Absolutely. Psalm 29 says this, The Lord sat as king at the flood. The Lord sits as the king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. I love these words. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Be at peace. My brother and my sister, I don't know what's going on in your life and you don't know what's going on in my life. But listen, be at peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we have. And then Psalm 48 says this, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of all the whole earth, in Mount Zion in the far north, and the city of the great king, God in her, in her palaces. He made himself known as a stronghold for such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. What are you worrying about? It's natural for human beings to worry. But when you get into that state, lift your mind and your heart to God. Remember, God is still on the throne and he knows every little thing that's going on in your life. And he knows exactly when to intervene and he loves to hear you speak to him. That's our God, the voice of the Lord. So whatever changes may come in your life, I I ask you, will you be shaken? And I've come to the conclusion of this. Are you still prepared to rest? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, says Jesus. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Whatever's getting on your nerves in your family or in your job or in society, get into the presence of God and you will find peace and you will find rest. God, you see, is in control. He's in control. You're not to worry. You're not to fret. Stay calm. Be at peace. Let your confidence be in God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, said Jesus. In my Father's house are many mansions. We're on our way to heaven. We'll soon be out of all of this chaos and sin. And we'll be with our Lord Jesus Christ forever and forever and forever. The peace of God which passes all understanding, I've mentioned this before, will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Here's that that little hymn that uh, maybe we should sing it. Praise to the Lord. Let's do that. Let's do that, please. Turn in our hymn books in closing and we'll sing Praise to the Lord the Almighty. I think it's number 40.